Today's episode of The Outside World is brought to you by Game Time. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Oklahoma Sooner tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? You can find the answer with Game Time, the ticket buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. Game Time is the leader in last minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the Game Time app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. So download the Game Time app in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score last minute tickets. It's not about what the outside world thinks, it's about what does, you know, what do you have in that room, and the best man wins, and you give everybody a shot at it. The outside world doesn't see the summer workout on a Monday morning. They don't see that progress, but, but we as coaches do. Another edition of the Outside World starts right now. I'm John Hayes. You can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on Air, and of course, you can follow my co-host Jason Kersey as well at Jason Kersey, the Athletics Oklahoma beat writer. Jason, we're coming off the open week. How was the weekend, first and foremost? It was great. I went to two Halloween parties, um, drank too much, had a great time. You know, can't can't complain. Can't complain. Very nice. I love Halloween. I don't know. Do you? Do you? Are you a Halloween guy? I'm a Halloween guy, but I'm not a costume guy. Uh, Then you're not a. Then then you're not a Halloween guy. (laughs) (laughs) That's fair. Okay. Did you dress up? What did you you went to different parties? Okay. What were you? I did. I was. Have you watched HBO The Righteous Gemstones? I have not. No. Okay. There's a character called Baby Billy Freeman. He's a televangelist. That's who I went as. <laughs> I had I had like a hair. I had the like a uh, a silver fox wig and because um, you know I obviously I can't dye my hair because there is no hair. So I had to uh, had the wig. I put some bronzer on to really get the spray tan look going. I, it was a nice look. I'll send you a picture. Okay. Good. Yeah. Well played. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll put it out <laughs> on social media. Maybe it'll be the um, the artwork for this episode. We can nice. Have. Um, specific artwork per episode. So send us that picture over and we'll get that up as the, the cover <laughs> art for for this week's episode. And what we're going to do this week on, on the show, since we don't have a game to react to, um, I want to get your thoughts on, on the college football playoff, the rankings, the selection committee will release its first college football plank rankings of the season this week. And the simple question is, does Oklahoma still have a path to the college football playoff? I think most people, Jason, are are under the assumption that if Oklahoma wins out and is a 12 and one Big 12 championship, that their odds to get in are are pretty good. But when you start diving into the numbers, um, you might start to get a little bit worried if you're an Oklahoma fan. Right now, Oklahoma, according to ESPN's playoff predictor, only has a 10 percent chance to reach the playoff. Um, that number, if Oklahoma, Jason, does win out and is a 12-1 and Big 12 championship champion, only jumps to 31%. Are you surprised by that? Um, not really, because uh, this is sort of what we've talked about uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. And what I've written about is that um, this is a different season than previous ones. I know they've lost games before and had to fight their way back. That has happened every time they've made the playoff. 15, 17, and 18. But in every instance, they lost earlier in the season, so they had more time to build back up. 
they uh, they had a really good November schedule this year. Uh, not so much. It's not nearly as good of a, a schedule. Um, and Wait, time out. Can I just interrupt yeah. you for one second there? Yes, like, absolutely. Ba- is Baylor not undefeated and ranked in the top fifteen? Like they are. Why, why doesn't Why doesn't that matter? It matters, but they also have three, four lost TCU, three lost Oklahoma State, and three lost Iowa State. I mean, and in the past, they've had multiple teams that were that were top fifteen teams. So it's that that's what I mean. In twenty fifteen, they beat three top fifteen teams in a row in November to get into that top four. In twenty seventeen, um, they beat TCU twice, and they were ranked in the top twelve both times. Um, and they had Oklahoma State in November that was ranked, I think, 11th. Um, in, uh, and then last season, they got to play Texas and West Virginia in back-to-back weeks. Both teams were, I believe, in the top 10 when they played, so or at least in the top 11. So this is different. It's just different. That's fair, and I, and I think the schedule is, is something to look at, and we have done that under a microscope. But I do think that that undefeated Baylor game or, or Baylor being ranked, I think that that is being overlooked just because Baylor doesn't have um, burn orange and white uh, on their uniforms. If that if that is Texas in that situation, that win, if Oklahoma were to go to Austin late in the season against an undefeated Texan, Texas team, not that they would ever do that because they're playing in the Cotton Bowl, obviously, but it's just it's it's unbelievable to me, and I don't think it's right that just because Texas is down this year, it hurts Oklahoma. Well, it may not be right, but it's but it's a fact. It, it just is. I mean, te- it, it, because it's not just Texas; um, it's all the other teams. I mean, they we expected Iowa State to be better than they've been, and that's who they play this week. Um, we expected uh, Oklahoma State to be a little bit better than this, and they haven't been. So, and, and then and then Texas, whether whether it's fair or right or not, does matter. And Texas has lost three games now. Yeah, three games now, right. Is that right? Yeah. They've lost three games now. Oh, my God. I'm losing my mind. They've lost three, right? Not four. Yeah, they've lost three. Um, If if they've lost four games at this point, Jason, trust me, we would know because there would be sirens going off in Austin and people would be running around town screaming and wondering what happened to to Tom Herman and this team that was supposed to be back. Well, I I guess my my point just is that, 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 you know, uh, it, it, whether it's fair or not, it, it's a fact of life that Oklahoma needs Texas to be really good, especially when they're trying to uh, fight their way back from a loss. And by the way, the other problem is uh, this loss was really bad. Uh, now, 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 Kansas State is six and two, um, and they seem to sort of be on the rise. They're ranked twentieth right now. All of those things will be good, yes. ideally for OU. Kansas State wins out. Baylor loses three games, which they won't over the next few few weeks, and uh, and Kansas. State gets in that Big 12 championship game and they have a chance to avenge that. Now that if they're if you beat 10 and 2 Kansas State and avenge a loss in the Big 12 title game, now that's different. Um, but I, I you know there's just so many scenarios that have to play out and 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 the last point that I'll make is take a look at what else is going on in the country. You have uh, LSU and Alabama, and I know we're going to get into all this. We have LSU, Alabama. Uh, that's going to be interesting. You have uh, Penn State and Ohio State, and then you actually have the Pac-12 with a with a real chance to get into the playoff for the first time in a long time. And any of those th- previous three seasons that OU made it, the Pac-12 was irrelevant. You're right. 
You're right, and I'm glad you brought up the Pac-12 because all of a sudden, if you look at the rankings and the AP rankings as we're recording this today, and by the way, I want to say um, farewell to the AP Top 25. You were useless, um, just like you were last year and the years before that during this college football play- playoff era, but we do love you, AP Top 25, but I, but I hope you had your moment in the sun because you were now irrelevant. Um, it's always better summer. than the coach's poll. It's always better than the coach's poll. <laughs> the coach's coach's poll. poll is the worst poll. What's that? The coach's poll, though, where the SIDs uh, vote on who they think are the best teams in the country. Isn't that I how the coach's the, poll works? I hate the coach's poll so much. Anyway. Yeah, me too. Me si- too side note. <laughs> yeah, side note. But if you look at the rankings, you see two Pac-12 teams in the top ten. You have Oregon at seven. You have Utah at eight. So let's just get into that discussion. As you mentioned, the bigger picture and Oklahoma's playoff chances. Let's start with with a 12-1 and Oklahoma and Big 12 champion. And, and, and let's just assume Oklahoma needs to win out. Clearly they can't lose another game because if they do, they're not going to the playoff. But the playoff was the goal, right, Jason? Always, yes. Always the goal. Okay, so I think that's why this conversation is worth having because if that is the preseason goal and the goal during the season, we need to understand whether that goal is still accomplishable or not. And you have a 12-1 and Oklahoma Big 12 champion or an 11-1 and Alabama and LSU. That basically means you've got the big game this Saturday in Tuscaloosa. The loser of that game, if they go on to, to, to win the rest of their games, they'll finish 11-1 and and not get a chance to go to the SEC championship game. How do you view Oklahoma in that lens compared to an 11 and one Bama or an 11 and one LSU that did not play for an SEC championship? Well, obviously, uh, 11 and one LSU would have a better case, I think, as a non-division champion because they have such a they've had such a good schedule. Um, the win at Texas, I know Texas has sort of imploded, but the win at Texas in Austin would probably, and the way that they won that game by a couple of touchdowns would probably uh, be, be a boon to them. Um, they've played Florida. They've played uh, – they would have played Alabama. They would have played Auburn. Um, they, they've had a good schedule um, and a lot of good wins to sort of lean on. I think in a vacuum, Alabama would be in trouble at 11-1. But we're also – have to remember that this is not the BCS. These are not computers. These are humans, and humans love Alabama. They just do. They've gotten in before with an 11 and one record and no division um, championship, uh, and then won the national title as a result of that. So we have to keep that in mind. Alabama is Alabama, and they're going to get the benefit of the doubt if they're 11 and one. Now, would they get in over 12 and one Big 12 champ Oklahoma? Maybe not, but I think that you can't just say outright that oh that's impossible that that would happen I think it's very possible that it would happen and I'm going to tell you something else and me and Stuart talked about this on last week's uh, Thursday pod Stuart Mandel but I I think that we need to seriously stop and consider the possibility that uh, you know Alabama beats LSU LSU's 11 and 1 sitting there in good shape and then Alabama's 12 and 0 and loses to Georgia in the SEC championship game and then you have 12 and 1 SEC champ Georgia you have 12 and 1 Alabama that played for the SEC title and you have 11 and 1 LSU and I think that's a nightmare scenario I don't think all three teams would get in but I don't think it's crazy to think that all three teams could get in that's a really really good point Jason when you start thinking about it that way um, the way my mind works is I look at LSU uh, they didn't win the division and for me unfortunately they would get left out in that scenario I don't think there's any way shape or form this committee would put three SEC teams in the playoff I don't I think there would be a revolt across the country 
uh, especially when you if you had a twelve and one Oklahoma, if you had a an undefeated Ohio State, and one of those two programs uh, had to be left out, and then you talk Undefe- about it. undefeated Clemson. Undefeated Clemson as well, and you go out into the Pac-12. So, so if, 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 there's no there's no chance in my mind. But by the way, I, I just want to like go back to as far as, and, and this is why I think having this discussion is really important. You talk about LSU, and the first thing you did was mention their t- their win over Texas in Austin. Literally just after we got finished saying how Texas <laughs> isn't giving Oklahoma a bump this season. Like really, let's let's dive into that because I think that's really important because. It just goes to show how no matter what narrative you want, you can make an argument for that team. You know, so what's the what's the difference? Why, why doesn't Oklahoma sure. get that bump over Texas for for beating Texas that LSU is going to get? Because it was a non conference game, it was in Austin, uh, and they won by more points. I think all three of those things uh, factor in. Uh, when they beat Texas again, it was in Austin. That was a tough environment. That was a game day game. It was a huge. Huge, um, huge clash of titans uh, in the non-conference, and that matters more than beating them in, in, in the conference. I think on a neutral field. I think that probably plays in. And then also, you have to also remember that we're comparing resumes here. LSU had a had a win over Texas, a, a convincing win over Texas in Austin in the non-conference. Then played their conference schedule. OU had an awful, abysmal non-conference schedule that included UCLA, a bad UCLA team, South Dakota, and uh, Houston, which has not been nearly as good as anybody thought they were going to be. So I think that's why it's different. I do think it's different. Yeah, that's a strong retort, and I wanted you to give you the opportunity to do that, and, and I can totally understand uh, where you're coming from. It's, it's just two different scenarios. You know, I think an Oklahoma fan um, would, would maybe have my, my initial perspective, but when listening to you say that, you know, I think I think it does uh, make sense. By the way, we are going to get into uh, the game this Saturday. I want to talk to you about Lincoln Riley's game plan. You know how the Sooners um, are going to focus now. They don't have that dreaded 11 a.m. kickoff this weekend. Um, they finally a night game. So praise Jesus. So Norman should be fun. <laughs> should be popping this weekend. And when you think about the next scenario. Um, 12 and one Oklahoma or 12 and one Oregon. This feels like more of a uh, not a, not an apples to orange discussion. I, th- I think 12 and one Oklahoma or 12 and one Oregon. Uh, those two situations are incredibly similar. How would you uh, look at those two resumes and decide uh, who deserves to get in? Oh man, I mean it's it's it's. It's tough because 12 and 1 Oregon would have had their one loss in the beginning of the year uh, on a neutral field to Auburn in a game that a lot of people would probably think that they should have won. So, yes, um, and it's a good loss. Uh, it, you know, that that's a really good loss. Uh, that's not as bad of a loss. Even if Kansas State ends up being good, getting blown out, and that's what they did. If the committee really watches the games the way that they say they do, they got blown out in that game uh, in Manhattan. So I think that would probably play against Oklahoma. Um, you know, is the Pac-12 or is the Big 12 a tougher conference this year? That is probably pretty subjective, and that's probably going to be pretty difficult uh, to 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 decide. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, what do you? I mean, you you come at this from maybe a little bit more national perspective do you, I mean which conference do you think is tougher because that's going to be part of this discussion right 
Yeah, I, I don't think you can you can just make an easy judgment on that. I think both it's the call to Power Five for a reason, and most people say the SEC um, and the Big Ten are the two best conferences in college football right now. And when you look at Oklahoma and the Big 12 and you, and you look at the ACC, ACC to me clearly is five out of five this season. Can we agree on that? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, so you're really um, splitting hairs talking about whether Oklahoma and the Big 12 or Oregon and the Pac-12 deserve to be ranked three or four um, in that list of, of power five conferences. So to me, I think per, for the um, – the purposes of, of this discussion, I think it's uh, these two conferences are on equal footing right now. Okay, well then then that makes it tougher. You, I thought I was hoping you'd make it easier, John, and nope. you didn't. Nope. Um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I think that would be a really hard decision for the committee because you're you're choosing between. Uh, two conferences that are that are similar, uh, two conference champions with with one loss. I mean, I think that's where you would probably start to wonder how much does the human bias factor in in terms of Oklahoma is a blue blood program. Oregon is sort of you eh, maybe. I mean, for the last twenty years, they've been uh, generally speaking a pr- pretty pretty prominent national program but they're not Oklahoma um ne- you know never won a national title did get to now they've gotten further in the playoff than Oklahoma has uh with their uh their title game appearance in 14 but um I, I you know that stuff isn't supposed to matter but I think we all know that in some level it does uh mm-hmm. when, when when you're talking about humans um man I I, I think that it's going to be so telling what the rankings show tomorrow night. And I know that doesn't really help us with this discussion, but where will the committee put Oklahoma compared to Oregon tomorrow night? Because I think that would give us a good sign about what they think right now. And obviously things can change, but I think tomorrow night will really give us a good sign of what they think. Now I'll say this, and this comes back to the human bias factor. If it's 12 and one Utah versus 12 and one Oklahoma, there's no question who's getting in, right? Utah, right? They're running Utes. Oh yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Come on, Oklahoma's getting in over Utah. I, I think no, it's there's no doubt about Oregon. that. There's no doubt about I'm, that. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong, but that's the truth. Oh, for the record, I will be on. I will say that it's wrong. I hate it. I hate it. You think I, it's? You think? No, you think no, it's wrong? I, I hate it. I hate that college football becomes a popularity contest and a tradition-rich sport at the end of the season. Where if there is an outlier, a program like Utah that has one of the best seasons. Um, in modern history and has a chance to go to the playoff as a 12 and one pack 12 champion. I hate the way that this sports work, this sport works in that just because it's Utah and not Oregon or USC people look at them differently. Except Utah's loss is worse than OU's. Don't you think, don't you think the loss at USC is worse than the loss at Kansas state? USC is not very good. I think it's debatable. I mean, I think they're just. I think it's two tough road losses, and that's the point. That's why I want to have this discussion with you, Jason, because I'm, I think that's splitting hairs as well. Losing at USC or losing at Kansas State, playing road games in college football is difficult. They're they're two road losses. I, I I don't think I think the normal person is going to say the casual fan is going to say that losing at USC is is the better loss, but. Um, but I digress, and I just want to throw some more numbers at you in regards to this Oregon and Oklahoma debate, and that is that the ESPN playoff predictor says that you know, in the scenario that both these programs win out, 
the Ducks have a 39% chance to reach the playoff compared to to Oklahoma's 22%. So this is kind of a state of the program right now. As we have finally gotten into the month of November, as we look at the uh, the landscape of college football across the country and realize that Oklahoma is in the mix. But right now, it feels like they're a little bit behind the eight ball. And as we're having this discussion, Jason, it's become pretty clear to me that there is one thing that Oklahoma does not have that these other teams do. What's that? A good out-of-conference game regardless of whether they won or lost. And and, and you brought up the point, but the more that I think about it, that non-conference schedule might be what takes this program down at the end of the season. Well, and and it's the it's the same thing that cost them uh, or or not cost them that boosted them. In 2015, they won a tough overtime game at Tennessee and that Tennessee team wasn't that bad. I think they went 8 and 4 that year. Um, and in 2017, they had that iconic win at Ohio State. They don't have a game like that this year. They don't have a game like that to lean on this year. UCLA is garbage. Um, South Dakota is an, is a bad FCS team, and Houston uh, isn't very good this year. So, I mean, I, I think that that is, is a real problem for them this year. And it's crazy because in the past, that is the thing that Oklahoma has been able to lean on, not just in 15 and 17, but really throughout the, the Stoops-Riley era. They have always scheduled tough out of conference, and it just didn't happen this year. And that doesn't you know, that's not a, I don't think that's an indictment of, of Joe Castiglione or anything because when they scheduled that UCLA game, they probably didn't think that the stadium was going to be half full, and of that half full, uh, 90% of it was OU fans. They probably didn't think that the UCLA program was going to be the dumpster fire that it is. So, But it's just the way this stuff works out. When you're scheduling games 20 years in advance, that stuff happens. So what I want to do, Jason, I, I want to give the Oklahoma fans a little bit of hope in this category because as it stands now, you're right, UCLA is a dumpster fire. It's not a good non-conference game, but here's a little bit of hope. Do you know where US, excuse me, UCLA stands right now in the Pac-12 South? Is it true that they can win out and win the conference, win the division? Is that true? That is 100% correct, my friend. That can I I I can't believe that that's true. Me neither. <laughs> I heard that a couple weeks ago and uh, I've been following this you this UCLA team for this exact reason. To look at the standings today and see a 4-2 and two UCLA team sitting there in the Pac-12 South behind USC and Utah, two teams that they still have to play. So, I mean, <laughs> the problem is, the problem is UCLA has to go on the road to play Utah and go on the road to play USC. So, when you think about it that way, you say, you know, it's probably unlikely. The percentage chance for them to go on the road and beat those two programs are not very good. But we talked to, we just talked about how USC is down. And maybe Chip Kelly could go in there and, and Clay Helton and if maybe there's an interim head coach at that point and beat USC. But if they could pull they off beat the, them last year. They did. They and beat if, them last year. If they could pull up the upset against Utah in a couple weeks, UCLA has an open week this weekend, but then they go on the road to Utah. My point is simply this is that it, the cards could fall to where the Pac-12 championship game, UCLA is sitting there in a potential matchup with Oregon uh, that could that could give that could give Oklahoma a bump. So I, it, there's so much to 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 be to happen. There's so much to happen on the field right now, uh, but and it's an exciting time of the year. 
more than anything. Regardless of whether a 12-1 and Oklahoma team gets in or gets out, are you excited for the next four weeks? Oh, hell yeah, man. It's awesome. Uh, this is this is so much fun. And, and hey, you know, I got to say to the, to the Oklahoma fans listening, I, I do not mean to be a Debbie Downer here um, about all of this. I just think the path is going to be tough. I'm not saying it's impossible. Oklahoma, uh, I would never have imagined, truthfully, in uh, the beginning of November of 2015, I didn't think OU was was going to get into the playoff. I didn't think um, that they were that they were going to be able to overcome everything they needed to do to get to that playoff. So um, things have happened before that that, that are surprising. Uh, you never know how the the LSU Alabama game is going to go. Maybe that's a complete blowout on one side or the other, and True. the loser is just—I mean, it's just a joke. And there's no way they get even even at eleven and one. Yeah, left um, onto the side of the road, LSU and Ogeron leave Tiger Stadium with a thirty-five to fourteen loss, and all of a sudden this conversation changes a little bit. Yeah. So I mean, a lot can change. That's my point. A lot can change. And it will change, and that's what makes this so damn fun. Okay, so we've got the playoff uh, rankings discussion um, out of the way. We, we had to do that this week because, as I mentioned, the first playoff rankings of the season will be announced Tuesday night on ESPN. We'll see um, where the Sooners are. They, they won't have pole position, but they will certainly be in the mix down the stretch. And, by the way, if you wanted to follow Jason's writing and Oklahoma coverage down the stretch of the season, which should be should be fascinating from from coast to coast, not only in the Big Twelve but around the country. And I know Jason, you have thoughts on all of that stuff. You can just go to theathletic.com slash the outside world, theathletic.com slash the outside world, and get forty percent off an annual subscription to the Athletic. Uh, Jason's Oklahoma coverage is is by far the best in the business. Let's move on to Week Eleven because. Regardless of, of, of what happens at the end of the year, I think we don't want to dismiss the idea of a primetime night game at Memorial Stadium against Iowa State on Fox, national television. Uh, this is a big one this weekend. Um, what will you be covering this week? What storylines are you looking at? Um, I know Iowa State might be under a little bit of scrutiny with with Matt Campbell being mentioned for potentially the Florida State opening. That could be a a distraction uh, for them. Um, How are you framing this matchup, Jason? Well, it's an interesting matchup. I mean, Iowa State has played OU tough the last two years. Uh, Two years ago in Norman, they beat OU. That was OU's loss in 2017. That was Mayfield's Heisman season. And Iowa State came into Norman and beat them. So it's not uh, unthinkable that they could win uh, in Norman because they've done it before under Matt Campbell. Um, last year in Ames, they, they it was sort of one of the first little signs that Mike Stoops was um, maybe on his way out. They uh, you know they had a really uh, they scored a lot. And they uh, they didn't score a ton, but they they had put up a lot of yards. Really kind of made the OU secondary look bad last year in Ames. So um, so this is a team that's that's talented. They they are tough. Um, now they. Uh, you know, you you look at the at the season uh, that they've had. It's been sort of interesting. They almost lose to Northern Iowa in the beginning of the year, which um, was sort of shocking for a lot of us who thought Iowa State was clearly the third or fourth best team in the league. Uh, then they lose a heartbreaker to Iowa. Uh, you know, that's been a game they've had so much trouble with. Uh, and then they lose. Um, 
know, a really tight game to Baylor. Um, they, you know, that a lot of people probably think that they should have won. So everything looked good, uh, you know, really when you looked at their overall body of work. And then they go just put up a stinker uh, two weeks ago uh, at home against Oklahoma State. And that's where it re- – I mean, that's the first time really since that season opener that I've thought, oh, God, they, they just don't look very good at all. Um, so it, it's an interesting team. They're a bit of an enigma. I don't quite know which version of them is going to show up in Norman, but I, I think that it has the potential to be a pretty good game. I mean, this is a this is a this is a bounce back game for OU. They've had the bye week. They've, um, you know, they've uh, they they had their worst defensive performance of the of the season so far by far uh, at Kansas State that they want to bounce back from how will that defense come back are they going to allow that game against Kansas State to snowball or are they going to get things turned around um, are they going to get Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon the damn ball this week uh, I mean I think that's a really important thing to, to keep an eye on so um, it's a fascinating game absolutely it would, and it's a night game thank God yes it's and a it's, it's a night game time to party have a good time set up the tailgate early and, and go hard all day. Get yourself into the stadium. Hopefully it's not too cold on Saturday night, but it's getting to be that time of the year where there might be a little bit of a chill in the air for this football game. It'll be good good football weather um, in the state of Oklahoma. You know what would be nice? And, and you talk about running the football. Lincoln Riley has had the opportunity to, to kind of sit around for the last couple weeks or the last week, and then and he'll be game planning this week as well and kind of reassess this offense. And I think that what he's been able to do with Jalen Hurts turning him into a legitimate passing quarterback, uh, one of the best stories of the season. But I could see how that can become somewhat intoxicating for a coach. Hey, look what I can do. I can turn this guy into a passer. Uh, every time he has success throwing the football, um, that reflects very well on me. And you saw how many times Lincoln Riley dialed up a pass play against Kansas State. Do you think going into this football game, we're going to see a heavy, heavy uh, amount of run calls, not just to get the running backs to ball, but to, to, to run Jalen Hurts as well? Um, I mean, I think they're going to have to reevaluate some things. They're going to have to find a way to to get not just Kennedy Brooks and Trey Sermon, but Ramondre Stevenson. They have three NFL running backs on their roster who combined for six carries two weeks ago, and that is just not – that's not good enough. That's not okay. They've got to get that fixed. Um, I, I, I don't quite know what the thought process is going on. I think a large part of it is Jalen Hurts is keeping the ball on a lot of those reads, on a lot of those RPOs. I think that uh, – and I don't know if – I mean, and, and it's hard to argue with some of the results. The guy's the leading rusher in, 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 on the team and one of the leading rushers really, I think, in the country. But um, – they got to get the ball to their running backs more. And I, I don't know if you take some of those decisions out of Jalen's hands, perhaps. I don't know if you, uh, you know, call more straight runs that aren't options. Um, you know, I, I don't quite know what the, what the answer is, but I do think, I, I think they're going to get the running backs more involved this week. I think they have to. Yeah, they, they certainly do. And it's always a good thing to see a, a program just run it down their opponent's throat. And I like that so much as a fan, you know, when you realize that you can dominate somebody on the ground, you know, as fun as passing can be and as sexy as throwing the ball 50 times is, I think for, for football fans, watching your team rush for 40 or 50 times, just straight down 
your opponent's throat, um, that's almost as satisfying. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that OU has done extremely well since Lincoln Riley's been in Norman, from Samaj P. Ryan and Joe Mixon to Rodney Anderson uh, to Trey Sermon and Kennedy Brooks and now Ramondre Stevenson. They have elite running backs on this roster, and they need to be more involved. One thing that I'm concerned about, you know, as we as we think about this matchup, and I do think that that Oklahoma wins this weekend. Are you are you in the same boat as me in in, in that? Yeah, regard? I think I th- I think probably so. Yeah, I think they win. Yeah, and that's the expectation uh, that this team wins. I'm not sure uh, what the line is. Um, let me look that up right now. As far as as what Oklahoma is um, favored by in this football game, it looks like um, right now Oklahoma is a i'm looking for an early line do you know the early line by any chance i Um, not off the top of my head okay let me find that but you know something that concerns me is that baylor next week 13 and a half 13 and a half thank you very much about two touchdowns then so something that concerns me is that this is a game that you know you and i are looking at we're saying that's an easy w and Vegas is saying that Oklahoma's uh, favored by two touchdowns. They've had an open week to prepare for this football game. But let's not ignore the elephant in the room. And the elephant in the room is what? That that Baylor's sitting around, and they've got a road game this weekend as well. And that that showdown in Waco, Texas, that we've been talking about, and especially you, I don't give you props because you've been circling that game all season. And both teams, both Oklahoma – and Baylor could be in a look-ahead situation. You know, Oklahoma's got a, a, a tough game against, like you said, a team that has given them trouble in the past, a team that's played them well. And then you look at Baylor, and they've got to go on the road to TCU, a TCU team that, yeah, it's sitting there at 4-4 four and four and 2-3, and three, but it's not like they're a terrible football team. Worst-case scenario is an Oklahoma close win and a Baylor loss, is it not? Yeah, OU needs Baylor to win. OU needs Baylor to win, and then they got to beat Baylor, and then they got to have Baylor win out and beat them again in the Big 12 championship game. That's best case scenario for them. I think. Well, I think it's best case scenario because Baylor would still be a top 12 or so team. Although at the same time, I I come back to what I said earlier. I think another great scenario for them would be Kansas State somehow getting themselves into the Big 12 championship game. But I think that's going to be hard. They're going to need Baylor would have to lose. I think three times because. Um, because they have the head-to-head over Kansas State. Right. Yeah, no, it, it, it feels like Kansas State getting into the Big 12 championship game at this point is a very, very long shot, but still mathematically possible, so, so we're not going to take it off the board. But I am worried, out, and I want to be on the record with you, Jason, saying that I am worried about Baylor this weekend at TCU. Uh, I think that their situation is, is markedly worse than Oklahoma's, having to go on the road to play Gary Patterson at his place in Fort Worth, while they know Oklahoma's coming to town next week, and I'm sure that campus is already buzzing about that, uh, being an undefeated football team. I think that Baylor could be be in trouble this week, and I think that they might lose on the road to TCU, which would not be good for Oklahoma at all. But I do want to point out that I think Iowa State is a live dog in this situation as well, just simply because of the history that you mentioned. And I, and I really do respect Matt Campbell as a head coach. Do you think Matt Campbell sticks around at Iowa State, or do you think he takes the FSU job or moves on? His name has been part of the coaching carousel for quite some time. You know, he's going to be a hot – he has been a hot name basically ever since he started doing great things at Iowa State, and I think he'll continue to be. Um, you know, uh, I, 
you would think that eventually he's going to move on from Iowa State and use that as a stepping stone. On the other hand, he seems to like it there. He seems to like what he's building there. So I don't think he's going to be um, haphazard when it comes to choosing his next destination. I think he's going to be very careful. I think he's going to be very deliberate. And I don't know that going to Florida State necessarily, for example, is 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 a very wise move at this point. I think at this at, uh, as we stand here today, Iowa State is a better place to be than Florida State right now. Now the now obviously that could change very quickly with a new coach and with the talent that Florida State can attract and their tradition and history and their boosters and all that, but um as of right now, when you look at what just happened at, at Florida State, when you look at them pulling the plug on a coach less than two years into his tenure, is that really a place that a, that a Matt Campbell would want to go when he's got a good thing going at Iowa State? That's a good question and, and a great way to put uh, this into perspective, really. I mean, that's that's kind of how I think about it. I mean, look, uh, maybe Willie Taggart needed to go, but um, you, you get rid of a coach after less than two years, and you're really sending a signal to future coaches that, uh, you know, you're not going to have much rope. You're not going to have much time. And so, I don't know. It's it's a difficult situation at Florida State right now. Um, I will share this, is that I, I went to ACC Media Days this year, and I thought the biggest takeaway that I had from – uh, the media days and, and listening to all the coaches was that Willie Taggart uh, seemed like he didn't want to be there. Seemed like he was uninterested. There was no passion. There was no energy. Um, it seemed to be like a chore for him. Um, so to now be almost you know three quarters of the way through the season and uh, see him get fired and at Florida State, I'm I'm not very surprised just because of that attitude that I saw at ACC Media Days. You know what it's like to cover Media Days. Um, even if coaches don't want to be there, Jason, it's very important for the program. Yeah, and you have to put on a good public face. And that you know, I I wasn't paying any attention to ACC Media Days, so I I wouldn't know. Um, but I, you know, obviously, I I believe what you're saying, and and that's that's too bad. I mean, that's Media Days are the time of year when you should be the most jacked up, the most excited, the most optimistic, um, because nothing's right. happened yet. <laughs> Exactly right. You can just go out there, put a smile on, be energetic about your football team, and uh, really sell your fan base on on getting excited for the season. Uh, it's the outside world. I'm John Hayes. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at John Hayes on air. You can you can follow Jason as well at Jason Kersey. And more importantly, you can follow all of his Oklahoma Sooners coverage, including his bonus episode of the Outside World, which drops every Thursday each week. There's a special guest last week. You can check that episode out as well. Stuart Mandel. Um, of the athletic join jason um, on that bonus episode definitely worth worth your time and you can listen to that and read all of his his work by going to the athletic.com slash the outside world where you get 40 percent off your annual subscription uh, also want to just mention one more thing is that this week on the athletic we drop a a new podcast um, surrounding the college football playoff rankings, the Andy Staples Show will have its second free episode of the week drop on Tuesday nights after the rankings are released. So make sure you check that out on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Jason, it's always a pleasure uh, catching up with you, talking about the Sooners, and, and have a great weekend in Norman, and look forward to your coverage of this football game. All right, thanks, John. Always good to, always good to be with you.